this is episode 746 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, November 13th, 2020. I am your host, Mark Krishnez, and today there's a lot to talk about. This is, of course, the week of new consoles, so the Xbox Series X and S came out on Tuesday, and the PlayStation 5 came out on Thursday, and I have my hands on both of them. I have the Series X and then the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition, and I'll talk a little bit about them right at the the beginning before I, I get into what I've been playing. I'll tell you what I've been playing shortly, but since they're still so fresh and I haven't had that much time to really dive deep into them, and also you've heard enough about them, so don't expect some deep dive into either console just going to give some very quick thoughts on them their controllers and just the general experience but yeah in addition to new consoles i will be talking about observer system redux speed 3 grand prix enlisted evergate double pug switch golf with your friends dead dungeon astro's playroom which is the included game on playstation 5 and that is it. So let's start with the consoles, like I said I was going to do. So the Series X feels very much so just like, hey, here's another Xbox. Things will perform better. It'll run faster. It'll just be an overall better experience. But don't expect any type of new, like, oh my God, this is a jump from the last console. It just feels like, hey, this is better. What you were doing before, it, it now feels a little bit worse. So I, I wasn't expecting anything more than that, so uh, it's not surprising to me, but I think anyone who is expecting any kind of significant jump, you know, you're, you're not missing out on, and I would say this for both consoles for the most part, you're not really missing out on anything by not picking them up. There are things about the PlayStation 5 that may get people excited, but I'll get to that when I talk about that, but the Xbox is, yeah, there's nothing really special about it. There are no games, really. I mean, you have Yakuza, like a dragon, and is that the only true next-gen game? Because I don't believe there is an Xbox One version. It is on PS4 and PC and will be coming to PS5, but I don't think there's an Xbox One version. Not sure about that. But even low times are iffy in terms of backward compatible uh, games. And I think some of it is related to whether or not the game has an online component. So some of the games I tried, like Crew 2 and Rainbow Six Siege or whatnot, when they have to talk with the server and connect to that, it's hard to tell if the periods where it's taking a long time to load is because it's just the long load times haven't been impacted that much or if it's because those parts of the loading time are actually it trying to speak to the servers and it's based on the internet and has nothing to do with the SSD or anything like that. Because when I was playing Crew 2 specifically and there is an update on Xbox One that is downloading right now, but apparently that is making it so, not, maybe not everyone, but certain Xbox players are unable to connect online. So 
it may have just broken my version of the game. But there are times when during the loading process, because you have to go through so many screens with the crew too, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. There are times when it seems like it is loaded real fast. Like, oh man, that screen just came and went like nothing. And then you get you another screen and you're like, fucking, now I'm going to go make a sandwich. So loading is inconsistent. Uh, on the other end, playing Forza Motorsport 7, man, that, that game hasn't been optimized or anything or enhanced like I believe Horizon 4 has been. But the improvements to loading are so significant from at least what I remember the load times being with the original uh, Xbox One release that I am seriously considering about getting back into Forza Motorsport because I really enjoyed that game, but the load times were just horrible. And now to start a race from initial boot up, not, not, not booting up the game, but like starting the process of starting a race and having to go through all the the process is like 13 seconds and i swear it was like a minute on the xbox one Uh, i feel like it couldn't have been that because i don't believe the improvement can be that drastic but i know that when i played it on xbox one i had enough time to do stuff like check my phone or do something and it is very snappy 13 seconds may still seem like a lot when you're actually sitting there and waiting for it to set up, 13 seconds goes by pretty quickly. And part of it feels like there's a point where it transitions and then it's just like black for a little bit. And I'm like wondering, could they, if they enhance it or did anything, could they make it even faster? Because the, the next Forza Motorsport game is seemingly a long ways away. And I, I would love this to be even better. But the, the Overall experience for that game in particular is significantly improved. So it's it's a mixed bag as to whether or not a game is going to feel better or not, or just kind of the same. Going into stuff like Just Cause, well, it was nice just knowing that, hey, this is just going to run well. I'm not going to have to worry about performance issues and performance drops or any, uh, anything like that. Uh... One of the other games that feels finally playable or just at home is Tabs, Totally Accurate Battle Simulator, which is a physics-based silly puzzle-ish game where you have like a story mode that I've never really messed around with. It's still in early access, so it's a game preview game, but it's where in the, the campaign mode or whatever, I believe, you are tasked with doing something and you have a limited amount of resources to work with but what i mainly mainly focus on is the sandbox mode which is where you have two sides and you fill each side with a bunch of different enemies they all have their various costs and you could limit yourself or not and then you just let things go and watch the physics play out and it's just fun to see how these npcs these characters with various traits interact with each other and the physics in the game and they have buttons dedicated to slowing down the action so it's just a fun thing to play around with and i think it shines in the sandbox mode especially but on xbox one it was just it didn't run all that well 
And on the Series X, I haven't tested it too much, but I, I just jumped in. I threw like 80 characters on each side, and then I just let it go, and it ran pretty damn well. Uh, so it was nice there because that, that is a game that I picked up in early access. It's one of the few times I've purchased a game preview game because I like it conceptually so much watching videos of it. I, I'm sure that some people have saw or have seen videos of it in the past. I don't think it's super popular anymore in, in the streaming world, but it's a game that I, I saw and I thought it looked really, really cool when it came to Xbox. It was like, yeah. And, and it went on sale. I waited for like a minor sale. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick this up. It, it may increase in price when it launches, but I, I want to get this and I want to get this for the series X launched. I, I was, it was, maybe my first ever Series X purchase because I literally bought it in anticipation of the new consoles when it would have a, a system that was powerful enough to have it work. So that that's a nice little thing. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, it's nice playing that game with VSync on and have it run smooth as opposed to on the Xbox One X where it's very choppy. It's not so cho- It's not choppy, it's just not as smooth. Uh, but then you have to deal with screen tearing when turning that off on the Xbox One X. So to play it smooth, no screen tearing is very nice. But yeah, it uh, it's uh, it's an Xbox, and there's not much to say about it in terms of anything exciting. I, I will also say, Quick Resume is a fucking mess. It works here and there. It seems like. I think there were reports saying like, oh, only a handful of games, are, these types of games aren't working. In my experience, I think less than 50% of the games I've played and I've just jumped around work. And some games will work some of the times. And it's just, it's frustrating because when it works, it is really cool. Like to be able to just quick resume back into Forza Motorsport 7 and be right at a race, awesome. You don't even have to worry about the low times at all. But it is so inconsistent at this point that it just seems like a non-feature. Like, I wouldn't even be like, hey, you should. if you're into quick resume, if, if that was something that you were really into, and that was one of the biggest selling points for Xbox, fucking nope. Uh-uh. I know, I like, there's no point in talking about like, selling points at this point because you're you're not going to get either of these consoles anytime soon. You, you might have a small window on Black Friday, but yeah, if you don't have one already, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. But yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer. And something that I've, I've thought about regarding Quick Resume that I would kind of like if there was an option to do it with, uh, even more so if it's like, hey, this is rough with a lot of games, but we do have games that are 100% for sure part of the system that work all the time. I know that part of the whole quick resume thing is, hey, it's, it's just, you know, to be able to play the, the games you played most recently, to just jump between the games you're currently playing. I would kind of like the ability to say, or, or to create my list of quick resume games that are the ones that are always in the quick resume space so that nothing that I'm playing, like if I jump into some game and it takes a slot 
And even though it's a game that I don't care about and I'm not going to want to come back to, like, I don't want that to happen. I want to be like, Forza Motorsport 7 is a game I will always want to be in the quick resume area so that I can just jump back into that game. And this other game that I play all the time, even if I play, you know, I, I don't play it for a while and play 10 games ahead of it that end up knocking it out of the order. Like, I want to be able to just say, these specific games are games I always want quick access to even if I may go away from them for a while or play a bunch of games in between. And part of this is because I get a lot of codes for review and stuff like that. So I may end up playing a lot of games just because of that in between sessions with my more normal experiences. But I would like that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. As far as the the xbox series x goes it's a it's a it's a heavy thing it's very dense the weird thing is when i picked up the box it came in it didn't seem that heavy and then when i actually took the series x itself out of it and felt it in its smaller size and how the weight was all in there just it's a it's a it's a heavy machine i'll also say that the series x s controller Fine. It feels very much so like an Xbox One controller. It just feels a little bit tighter overall. The the size difference isn't really that noticeable. I really like the D-pad so far, but I haven't played it with a game that utilizes the D-pad. I, I should probably throw in Celeste and see what that's like, or Tony Hawk, and and check it out there. But uh, the share button is fine the one thing and maybe i'm just losing my mind because i went back and it seemed like it, it was kind of the same with the xbox one controller and i just never really noticed it or maybe i have to break it in the xbox button to open up your the guide i feel like it requires a deliberate press like you can't just like uh, push it down lightly like you need to be like fucking i mean to press this button and then it'll It'll pop up. The guy will pop up, which is a little weird. But again, it could just be me overthinking things or trying to find like it, it's nice. It feels like it might be a little bit heavier, maybe. But it, it's it's nice. I, I like it. I think the these small changes are good changes. Moving on to the PlayStation Five. Haven't really messed around too much with that or any games outside of Astro's playroom. Just messing in the first area that everyone's seen in all the early preview videos and stuff. And let's see, where do I begin with the PlayStation 5? It is big, but it is not as big as I was expecting. It, you know, it's tall, but it's not like... It, it's, it's fine. Uh, I, I think... The digital edition definitely looks a little nicer just because of the fact that it's asymmetrical. But the experience of playing the games, one, cloud saving, annoying as shit. I don't understand why it works this way. I have cloud saves to automatically update or upload on my PlayStation 4, which is a good thing, but they don't automatically download or anything on the PlayStation 5. And when you are accessing a game, a backward compatible game, 
it doesn't prompt you to check if you have a save in the cloud or anything. So you have to first go to the settings menu to cloud saves or whatever and download them all individually. You can select them all or download them all individually. And that was annoying. I think the UI is, it, maybe it'll be better once I get used to it, but it is pretty different and there are things about it that I don't like. It, it's just compared to like the Xbox, which is just the same shit and carrying it over. This is very different and I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about it right now. The the controller, which I think is probably the, the, the most important thing to talk about, the biggest thing to talk about, I, I experienced all the haptics and the triggers and all that shit with Astro's Playroom. And, and before I talk about the controller, Astro's Playroom, having not played the VR game, that game, just as a 3D platformer, ignoring all of the haptics, like that, Astro's Playroom, just a fucking fantastic 3D platformer. It feels so good. Looks great. It's so charming. Wonderful music. Jesus Christ, I need to go back and play the VR game because that was such a delightful thing. And I don't think Sony has been given anywhere near enough credit for including what I hear is like a five-hour game or so. A pretty substantial game that is more than just a tech demo. Like It's, it's, it's a full-fledged game. Uh, they haven't gotten enough credit for including that with the console. Because it's not like it's some chibi little thing. Like, it is polished. It is so much fun. Like, it is a great thing. And it it makes me wish the Xbox had something with it. Just something little. Like, if they had Double Fine make a, a little game that could be included. I don't know. It's just something. Because there's nothing... And Astro's Playroom is fucking so wonderful. Well, I'm I'm gonna play through that uh, probably this weekend, maybe. But as far as the controller goes, the haptics, the vibration, all that stuff, super neat. I think probably the thing that I enjoyed most was when there was like a gradient or something happening on screen and I could feel the vibration move from one side of the controller to the other side. I thought that was a really cool sensation and the tension in the triggers when they use it is neat. But I I think with that, especially depending on how games use it, it could end up being more annoying and frustrating than fun or immersive or whatever. But like, the problem for me with all the haptics and everything going on is that at least right now, and I, I can't believe that no one, like everyone is so fucking hot on it. It's just like, this is the, the fucking best thing in the world. This is where we need controls to go moving forward. For me, initially at least, it is pretty distracting. And I don't know about everyone else. Maybe they don't care. I don't want any bit of my consciousness to be focused on what is happening with my controller. When I'm playing a game, I want all of my attention to be on the game and what's happening on screen and all of that. 
But when I was playing Astro's Playroom, I couldn't help but think about all the fucking shit that was going on in my hand. All these fucking different vibrations and noises. Like, I still, vibration and all that, haptics and tension triggers and blah, blah, blah. Cool. I still, I hated it with a PS4 and I still hate it with a PS5. I don't like fucking sound coming out of my controller. It doesn't sound that great and it's just annoying. I just want to fucking, I don't like it. <laughs> but whatever, people like it. Uh, I don't think, at least for me, some of the feedback with the controller and, and all that, like walking across different materials, I didn't feel like there was a significant difference where it's like, oh shit, like I don't think I could close my eyes and say like, I'm walking on sand now, now I'm walking on metal. Uh, I, you know, and maybe part of why people are like, oh, I can tell the difference is because you hear the audio coming out of the, the controller as well. But that wasn't like, oh my God, this is revelatory. I can't, I can't, I can't believe this. Uh, but there, there is some cool stuff with it. It just is something that I hope I get used to and it becomes something I don't think about. Which I'm, I'm expecting, you know, when you experience something new, of course, it's going to be something that is on your mind that you are more conscious of. But yeah, if that if that doesn't change, I'm just going to turn that shit off. Or I, like, I wish that or maybe there are ways to like turn off certain parts of it. I don't know. I, I I kind of think that I already would like to just turn off the tension and the triggers, and and keep the vibration stuff going on. But yeah, I will say that. The overall feel of the controller is really good. Just the fit in your hands is fantastic. Significantly better than the DualShock 4. I think it is one of the most comfortable controllers just to hold ever. Uh, I, I may just not using it, just having it in your hands. I think I may prefer it over the Xbox controller, which is wild coming from me as somebody who fucking loves, I mean, my favorite controller is the Xbox One Elite, you know, that iteration of controllers. And yeah, the, the feel of the Duals, the Dual Sense is great. Feels, feels just wonderful. The triggers and, are they, they're not called bumpers, are they? But like those feel pretty good. The, Analog sticks, I'm not too keen on just yet. Like they're, they're okay, but the texture on them and just like I, I still prefer the offset. Like that's part of why I like the Xbox controller. And then the share or create button, whatever it's called now, and the options button, which is now the hamburger button. I don't think they had the lines on. I think it was the options button on PS4, and now it's the hamburger button to go along with the Xbox controllers. They are really tiny, and I don't like how they feel when you push them in. Uh, yeah, they just, there's something off about them, and it's not just the size, but uh, not a fan of those buttons. But that's, in the grand scheme of things, those buttons are maybe probably the least important of the bunch. Can't speak to battery life. But it just, I'm very happy about how it feels. It's just very comfortable. 
And I, I look forward to playing more games on the, the PlayStation 5, going back and playing through The Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima, and going through Astro's Playroom, of course, which is just, again, not uh, to sound like a broken record or anything, Astro's Playroom, fucking awesome. So good. It is so good. I, the, th- the biggest bummer about it is that Sony does all these games like Tsushima and Last of Us and God of War and Horizon. And when you look at something like Astro's Playroom or the Ratchet and Clank games, you see that they are capable of, of course, you know, the Astro's Playroom is an internal developed game. And yes, they own Insomniac now, but Insomniac, you know, wasn't internal or anything for the longest time. But when they go for these, like, deli- and uh, everyone is saying that Sackboy is pretty good too. When they go for like these 3D platformers, man, they can they can just they can do so good. I, I wish they would just make more fun, pleasant games, and not all these Debbie Downers. Yeah, they're they're well made and well produced and all that, but when Sony puts on the charm and the good vibes, it's just, it works so well. I'd love to just play more games like Astro's Playroom and Ratchet and Clank. Bring back Jack and Daxter. Bring back Sly Cooper. Bring back Ape Escape. Just give me all that stuff. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Anywho, that's enough about the consoles and, and whatnot. So, Observer System Redux is the enhanced version of the game of the same name, Observer, which came out in, I think, 2017. It's from the it's a Bloober team, the team behind Layers of Fear, uh, Blair Witch, and the upcoming Medium game. And it is a game where you are trying to figure out what happened. You're like a detective, I believe. But the game is... I like it, and I, I so the enhancements to it include ray tracing. I guess I think I read that, but I could not notice anything. Like when I was playing it visually, I wasn't like, "Holy shit, this looks so much better than I remember." It looks good, but I remember the original release looking pretty good. What I do notice is that it runs smooth, which the original release at launch. Don't know if it was ever patched to run smoothly. At launch, it did not run smooth. So that is nice. But the thing that kills the experience for me is that you're going around. So like when you initially starting up, you're going around trying to figure out what happened to this person or whatever. And you're going, you're in this like apartment complex. And you're going around talking to people on their little intercoms or whatever. And then you go into some rooms and you do investigating. You have two different visions that allow you to see like organic material and then objects of importance and the problem is that you have an on-screen cursor little dot on screen and when you want to interact with something or see if something is interactable you would expect that you would look over the object with the cursor you would place the cursor over the object and then you'd be able to interact with it that is not how it works 
the way it works is that in order to interact with something that is interactable, you have to move the cursor. And I think this is the case for everything that it was consistently you having to do this. You have to move the cursor like, uh, and I'm referencing this on my 32 inch TV, like a a centimeter, a centimeter to the right and maybe just a little bit above the object you want to interact with. And then you will see the prompt on screen that you can't interact with said object. And I thought at first, maybe this was an issue with me changing the FOV, the field of view right off the bat. Because if a game gives me the option to adjust that, I will always max it out. And so I thought, okay, maybe adjusting the field of view fucked up everything and that's why it's off. But then I, I reset it to the default values and it was still the same. So what this means is that when you were going around in these various rooms looking for clues and information and all that, there is a lack of ability to get into any kind of flow with the experience because when I see an object and I'm looking at it, I have to remember, fuck, I need to look a little bit to the right of it in order to actually actually interact with it. And it becomes this tedious, repetitive behavior of finding an object and then just slightly nudging the analog stick over and over and over again until I see the prompt show up on screen because it's it's not consistent consistent that you always have to get in the exact like this specific distance from the object so it just is an annoying kind of where's waldo game of finding the correct positioning away from the object so that you can interact with the object and that is something that i would like to see updated but i i look at it and i'm thinking there's no way they couldn't have seen this or or noticed this in the process of developing the game, right? This seems like such an obvious, weird thing that shouldn't be there. But, uh, yeah, I hope that gets updated because it it just, it kills the entire experience for me. And if that is something that doesn't bother you, then, you know, check it out. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I could not, play that much of it because it was just it was a really irritating thing for me then speed three grand prix is a racing game with like formula one cars and all that jazz and it's an arcadey racer that could have been fun but the controls are pretty loose and it's just the ridiculous nature of it is what i like about it but the fact that it just controls like shit ruins everything so the thing about it is that it is all about crashes and explosions and is super over the top with cars exploding all of the time flips happening you could get tapped by another car and then your wheel suddenly just disappears it just flies off and it's it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but it just doesn't feel good and when it doesn't feel good it's just not fun to play so despite the fact that i had a mild degree of enjoyment from watching cars explode all over the place because you you get that nice explosion effect every time it happens it ultimately was something i'm like yeah i can't i can't deal with how horrible this is to control especially when i'm playing 
Forza Motorsport 7 again. It's like, no, this is this is not going to work. Then Enlisted is a an upcoming free to play game. It is currently in essentially like a closed beta. You can you can opt in. Uh, you know, it's a game preview early access game. You can opt in by purchasing the Founders Pack, which is fifty dollars, I believe. I got a code for it. There are individual packs for thirty bucks, but I don't know if you can purchase those individually. They're, they're like what makes up the the Founders Pack for like the two different sides, Axis and Allies, or whatever it is, and it's a military-based shooter where you have a squad of AI teammates with you. And what's cool about that is that when you die, if some of your squad mates or all of them are still alive, you can spawn directly back into the game via one of them. And they'll, they'll have different weapons, so you have to keep mind of that. But that's a cool way to handle dying and respawning without being like thrown back to one of the capture points. Because it seemed like there might be other modes, but every time I jumped into like a quick game, it was always a conquest type of game mode. Uh, but uh, the the thing is, I guess this is good because it means you will never not be able to find a match. It will populate the game with bots in order to fill it up. And it doesn't seem like it wants to waste any time having you wait for potential human players so that and of course this is the case because you know i i don't know how many people have chosen to opt into the game at 50 dollars. i don't know how many other people have codes for it and are you know previewing it and stuff like that but in my experience every match i played had maybe at the very max four real people in it, including me. And some, it was just me and another human player, which, you know, it's okay. It It's a really rough game right now. The controls are a bit wonky. And it. I don't know if this is actually the, the case or I'm losing my mind again. Like if this is possible or whatever. I feel like the game on a software level has introduced analog stick drift in it because it, it definitely feels like at times my character will just start turning or it will continue turning when I probably, like it just, there is weirdness in the way it feels and hopefully that and other issues will be even out by the time it comes out. There's potential in it, and especially when it goes free-to-play, when it launches in that state, absolutely check it out. Because it looks pretty good. It is an enhanced game for the, the new consoles. Uh, it doesn't look amazing or anything, but it looks it's solid. And if the, if the core gameplay and the mechanics can get ironed out and everything can just feel a bit better, it might be a, a solid little game. Uh, but yeah, I, I I didn't really look into any of the the microtransaction type of stuff and what it has set up in there for the future and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it's it, it was it was okay, but uh, absolutely nothing to. I, I would say that no one, even if it looks like something you'd be into, no one should opt into it 
in its current form. Just wait for it to go free to play. Um, but uh, yeah, then I played some Evergate, was a, which is a platformer uh, where you are a little like spirit dude or something, and it has an interesting mechanic in that you you can jump, of course. But the way you reach different areas and complete levels is by you you slow down time and air. There are these crystals scattered around all these levels. They're they're all single screen spaces, uh, single screen areas, single screen levels, and there will be these little like patches of white, glowy stuff on surfaces. And when you do a jump, you slow down time with one of the triggers and then you aim at a crystal and you want to be able to shoot through the crystal and hit one of those glowy patches. And doing that will propel you in the opposite direction. So that'll allow you to reach further gaps, uh, to jump up high and stuff like that. There will be platforms that when you hit them, they will move. There are other objects you interact with that will create platforms under you. And I think it's just a really fun and creative platformer that has you utilizing this interesting mechanic uh, that feels really good of having to, you know, make sure you're in the right position and think about the way you're going to use these crystals to reach certain places. Because... They're like it's pretty easy to just get to the the gate and finish a level, but to get all the collectibles and all the other things, uh, you'll have to think creatively about how you're going to go about using these things. Because like the crystals, they don't reappear. They they'll once you use them, they're gone for good, and then you'll have to restart if you fuck things up. Uh, but I I enjoyed my time with it. Looks pretty good. I really like the transition from levels, which is like this 3D looking thing where it creates a bunch of steps that form to the next one. It's very cool. It's enhanced as well. Didn't really notice anything. It's not, I didn't I didn't see a noticeable improvement in load times or anything really between the, the, the versions. I think it might run at maybe a higher frame rate. I don't know. I don't have a, a TV or anything capable of 120. I don't know if it had 120. But uh, it did run well in 1080p 60 so uh I, I i would definitely recommend checking that out for fans of platformers i had a really good time with it looks pretty good and then i played double plug switch which is an endless runner that uh, is a bit of a mixed bag i was immediately in because you play a pug named otis and there's a cat who becomes evil, and that's basically the antagonist of the game. But the cat's name is not Milo, and then I was out after that. But in all seriousness, what I don't like about it, so the, the way it works, its its main gimmick shtick is that you can change the color, the polarization or whatever, of these platforms and walls in the game between like an orange and blue. And you'll need to do this in order to keep moving forward. You'll have Parts where you have to jump from platform to platform and constantly switch between the different colors. And you do this by pressing the B button, playing on Xbox One. Uh, You jump with A, you change the colors with B. Uh, 
And there'll be times where you have to be doing it really quick, back and forth. And that all feels really good. What doesn't feel good is the jump. I hate the jumping in double pug switch because it feels like you're a brick. So depending on whether you tap the A button or do a long press, you'll jump higher, further. But once you hit the apex of your jump, the pug just fucking falls like a fucking brick. And I do not like the way that feels at all. I don't like that in any type of game that has that kind of thing, unless it's Kirby, and I specifically have the anvil, or whatever it is, power. Then I'm like, yes, this feels great. But here, it just feels... It feels weird. It just it, it does not feel comfortable at all. And, and it makes the experience a little bit shitty. Uh, in terms of the game, there are five areas with eight levels each. And you can dress up your pug with, I think, 40 different hats that you use, the, that you purchase with either these little collectible things you find in various in all the levels in the game or with the coins you collect. It's it's okay. Like I kept at it even though I wasn't fond of the jump, but I think it could have been better if the jump was just different. It just I can't I do not like it. But I, I really do like it conceptually. I like I one love endless runners and then two I like this back and forth switching between the different colors in order to keep progressing and in some places reach higher areas and collectibles and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, the jump just doesn't feel that great. Then golf with your friends. I got a code for this miniature golf. Uh, And the thing is, it probably is fun golfing with your friends, but golfing by yourself doesn't feel that great. It, It is not the best mini golf game from a mechanic standpoint and trying to find online matches with randoms is shitty. At least I think you'd be able to find better luck just going to the like room select to find rooms that are available because when I did quick match and I, I didn't have any type of any type of setting or anything set up, it took somewhere between two and three minutes to find a match. And that match ended up only being with three or no, two other real life humans. And then by the time I got to the ninth hole, both of them dropped and I was just playing by myself. So the online experience isn't that great. Uh, if, if you don't have people you already know to play with. And the, and the thing that's weird about that is that I'm playing on Xbox one. It is a game pass game. You'd think that maybe there'd be more people playing it, but I was playing this in the evening, and nobody was on. I, I when I checked the rooms, I think there were, there were maybe ten people playing, and I was just like, man, that sucks. Uh, and, and when players drop from your online game, you don't get any notification or anything. You just realize, oh wait, I don't have to wait around, or I'm not seeing balls be hit anywhere else. So that is sucks. But like. The game itself, ignoring all that, just isn't that much fun. I don't like the way it feels or controls on Xbox. I think I think this was 
I could be wrong. I, I, I have a feeling like this was a, an Apple Arcade game initially. And I, I, th- I imagine this would feel pretty good using touch controls on a, a mobile device. But in addition to a traditional mini golf mode, they have basketball, which like I think it's called the dunk mode, where you try and instead of getting in the hole, you want to get into the basket. And you can jump uh, in, in any of the modes with the ball by pressing the A button, which is whatever. Uh, but I did not enjoy that mode because it, it felt, it, felt, it was like, just, it was a pain in the ass to get the ball into the basket. There's a hockey mode where the holes are replaced with nets and goalies that are just sliding back and forth. That was by far my favorite mode because it just, it, it, it felt the best there because the controls aren't great. And when you're given a much bigger hole, essentially, to aim for, it, it just took away some of the jankiness of the controls. And I was like, I like hockey. I like hockey. There was a exploratory mode or something that I think was just the regular mini game or, or mini golf mode, but with unlimited retries and stuff like that. And then there's a party mode, which I didn't notice much of a point when I was playing it by myself. So, yeah. It's a game that I think could probably be fun with your friends, as the title suggests. But anything else? No. And, you know, it could even be fun with strangers. But there's just nobody playing on Xbox, even though it is on Game Pass. Maybe I'll try again this weekend, and maybe I'll, I'll try to find a time where, like, yeah, it's crowded now. But I was playing it, oh, was it yesterday or Wednesday evening? I was playing it one of the evenings, and it just was practically empty. And I was I was so surprised by how long the quick match took, especially since there were rooms. When I checked the rooms that were open, like, why didn't it just throw me into one of those? I don't know. It was weird. Then... The last game I'll talk about is Dead Dungeon, and this is basically Super Meat Boy. That's what, like, it's just a very, very cheap version of Super Meat Boy. And you can tell that immediately, or pretty early on, by one of the enemies they throw in that is basically just Super Meat Boy. And, you know, it's mechanically and all that, solid. Like, it's a decent platformer in that vein. And there, there's nothing really special about it. I, I haven't come across anything in it that's like, oh, yeah, this is mechanically interesting. It's just, okay, you're avoiding spikes. If you hit a spike, you know, you bleed and all that shit. There are donuts that you can get as a collectible. I think there are 50 levels in it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was just very, very basic. There was, what is, I, th- I feel like there's one maybe interesting mechanic in it. You have a double jump, but I don't like, was there something? I, it's, it's a perfectly fine platformer. It just, it doesn't look that great. And there's nothing unique about it. I mean, if there was something unique about it, it's not unique enough to have me remember it. But if you like Super Meat Boy, especially, uh, and, but if you just like platformers like that in general, it's worth checking out. I can't imagine it's that much. But uh yeah, that is 
Dead Dungeon. And uh, that will do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast on Amazingly Baca and Attack the Backlog, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out the art I make on the site, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend.